Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. Everybody, it is I, William Powell, your host and the coast, your sage of the stage, aka the king of DC Media. Welcome to another episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. Tonight's guest is director and founder of Wolfpack Theater Company, William Dean Leary. William has adapted and is directing a Christmas Carol at St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church in Riverdale, Maryland. For tickets, go to www.wolfpacktheatercompany.com. And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. Tonight, tonight was a good night. You fought well, and for that we have these fortunes. Some say that money is the root of all evil. But I don't believe that. Evil is the root of all money, and you, my big friend, you are evil! I'm Marshall Ever, and I don't always make money, but as a member of Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, I always save money. Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, federally insured NCUA. Membership open to federal employees and their families. Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Inside Acting Radio Show. And if you'd like to advertise on the show, contact me at William400 at Yahoo.com. So I see everybody has joined us. So uh, we've got uh, William Dean Leary and also some of the cast members. So let me just bring them on in. Good hey, evening, William. Everybody. Bill. Hey, Bill. How are you today? All right. All right. Who else is on the line? Thomas Ogar. Okay. Best by Grace today. Okay. Tim Jansen. And who else? All right. This is Tim Jansen. 
All right, I'm playing so? Scrooge. Oh, yes. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, okay. so far we have our Pastor Charlotte, our Scrooge, and our Edward on the line. Okay. Okay. And that was Thomas? Yes, right, right. Gotcha. Okay, so uh, now, Bill, talk a little bit about the special message from A Christmas Carol that you want to convey to the audience. Well, with this particular adaptation, we've kept very close to the original story. There are still the three ghosts. Uh, Scrooge is still the uh, very sort of miserly, cantankerous individual that he's always uh, portrayed as. Um, in this particular version, however, we do give a little bit of a twist to the story and that the ghosts are actually connected to uh, Scrooge in ways that I've never seen anybody else do. Um, they are actually family members. And with keeping them uh, a little closer to uh, Scrooge himself, I think it lends a little bit more of an interest to the story. And it really sort of conveys the uh, the much more familial feel, feel that I think that uh, Dickens originally intended. Hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I noticed uh, you also changed the location. It's uh, set in the good old U.S. of A. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Oh, I was saying that you also changed the location of the story. It's also, it's not set in England. That's correct. It is set in America, and the Cratchit family in this particular version are no longer simply poor and struggling to get by. They are actually in a homeless shelter because of medical bills uh, uh, due to Tiny Tim's illness. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. However, Bob so Cratchit lot... does still work for Scrooge. <laughs> oh, wow. we got a lot to cover tonight, so I just wanted to go to... Uh... So, Tim, so talk about how you, uh, first of all, have you played in A Christmas Carol before, and then how are you prepared for this role? Thanks. Um, I've played the ghost of Jacob Marley in several productions. Last year I was the ghost of Jacob Marley. I was also the ghost of Christmas Future. I was Young Scrooge. I was the horse. Lots of different things. Uh, so this year when uh, Bill asked about Scrooge, I thought, wow, that's a that's a um, big stretch from Marley. Um, but kind of moving into it, uh, I've seen lots and lots of productions of Christmas Carol. When I was young, my family used to go to uh, Ford's Theater every year on Christmas Eve and see a Christmas Carol. So I've seen lots and lots of different Scrooges, and I like I like to bring a little humor to him. Um, I also like him, he should be cranky, he should be cantankerous, but there should be a little humor in it. And there should be an ability for the audience to make fun, but have fun with him as well. So, you know, I don't want him to be so, you know, persnickety or cranky that it's hard for that transformation that needs to occur to occur. Hmm. One thing that I've really pushed Tim on as far as the directing is to keep that cranky quality, but the audience very much still has to like and sympathize with Scrooge. They have to enjoy his grouchiness. It's kind of like the old man standing, you know, get off my lawn kind of thing. (laughs) Wow. 
Okay, okay, Vasti, I'm going to go to you. So have you been in Christmas Carol before, and how do you prepare for this role? I have not been in a Christmas Carol before, although I'm very familiar with the Dickens novel and the multiple adaptations of the play that have existed and the musicals that have existed. Um, This one is unique in that the character of Pastor Charlotte is unique to this adaptation. Again, it's not set in England anymore. You're in the United States. We're in the modern times, and we're actually set inside a church which is sheltering a warm nights program, a hypothermia shelter. So Pastor Charlotte kind of brings that religious aspect really home. And she reminds not only Scrooge, not only the Cratchit family, but I think the audience as well of questions of faith and questions of how do we grapple with these struggles that people endure and still maintain that feeling of faith and hope that really is at the heart of the story. So those are things that I've had to really be cognizant of as I approach this character. Hmm. Okay, Thomas, how about you? Yes, sir, this is my first time doing A Christmas Carol, and I'm playing Edward, who's Scrooge's nephew in the show. And for my process, I feel like it's a little bit different this time than what I normally do. I feel that uh, I, I, I believe Edward has some qual- some qualities that I possess in myself as, as well, so it's going to be kind of interesting to kind of pull those qualities from my actual life uh, on stage. And there's also a point. There's also a point in the show where where they mention uh, where, where where Scrooge mentions uh, Nutcracker doll that his sister had uh, before 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 she died and everything and. And uh, it's a, a token that actually she passes on to her son Edward, who's, who's me. And so I, I really think I'm going to actually go out and buy an actual Nutcracker doll so I can so I can help me with that process of of getting into character and actually feeling what Edward would be feeling in that particular moment in time. So. Yeah, I'm going to put uh, Bill on the spot here. So. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm going to throw this out here, uh, but I'm going to go to Tim first and just ask, how is it, uh, how is it uh, to be directed by Bill? You know, it's an interesting opportunity because in the real world, Bill works for me. And so <laughs> it's kind of nice to switch hats. So, you know, during the day, I tell him what to do, and then when we're at rehearsal, he tells me what to do. Um so uh, it's always clear, though, what Bill has in mind. I've, over the years, you know, just developed a trust that even when I don't think he has any idea what he's saying and that he's completely wrong, he's usually right on. And he usually, you know, has something in mind that really works and works well. And so over time, I've just gotten to the point where, having been directed by him, you know, multiple times, I just trust that he's going to put it in motion in the right way. And so it, it, it's actually really quite nice. Thank you. Hmm. Okay. Vasty? Well, this is my first time actually working with Bill and with the Wolfpack Theater Company. But one thing that I can say is that Bill really creates an environment where actors feel safe to really explore and to really find the nuances of their character and to take those chances you feel affirmed, you feel you feel it's a safe environment for creativity. So overall, yeah. it's my first experience working with Bill, but I hope it won't be the last. It's been a very positive one. 
Okay. All right. How about you, Thomas? Yeah, so I've actually worked with Bill over the summer on one project called Jake Revolver, and I feel like every time he he, he directs, he, he just really pulls out, you know, the the, the best in the character and the best in, the best in yourself as well. So, you know, like the the kind of emotion and and, and just and just just the feel of the character in the show. Like he really he really ends up um, ends up Pulling out, pulling, pulling out that emotion, and, and and pulling out that you know that the 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 grand scheme of the show, and in like the best way, you know, it's it's tough at times. You know, I will say that because because you know it's he really uh, pushes you to 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 be the best, you know, and 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 sometimes change sometimes change is not the 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 the, the Easiest, especially when you're used, you're used to something to, something totally totally different. So I think it's it's it's, it's, it's great. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah, Bill, I'm gonna go back to you. So, what advice would you give to directors who want to direct this play? I think the first thing is to trust the Dickens story. Don't, even though every adaptation in the history of the world is very different, keeping the same basic tenant and the same basic idea of the three ghosts, or actually, I guess, four ghosts, technically, um, with with Future and Marley thrown in there, and then past and present. But keeping the original views and keeping the original meaning behind A Christmas Carol, that there is redemption, there are second chances for people, that your life can change regardless of how young or old you are. You don't have to be set in the same type of uh, crankiness when it comes to Scrooge. You don't, you won't necessarily always be in the same station in life that you are at any given point. There's always room for improvement, always room for advancement. Um, I've directed this show now. I think this is my fifth production, and. Each time that I direct it, I find something very different, and I enjoy finding those different nuances and those different ideas and being able to take those ideas and make them something that is still relevant to an audience. Because any audience that ever sees A Christmas Carol knows the basic story. Unless you're a very young child and you're seeing it for the first time. Right, But they still have to be entertained. They still have to feel the same joy when Scrooge has that redemption, when he finds that second chance in life that they did the first time they saw it, whether they're, you know, 10 years old or 50 years old. And while we do focus a little bit more on the spirituality of the piece than a lot of other organizations uh, do, it's it's a story definitely for anybody from any religious, ethnic, or cultural background because it does definitely show that there's good in everybody and there, that things can always change for the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to go back to uh, Tim and talk a little bit about some of the parallels you see in today's society uh, that uh, we find in uh, Dickens' script. I mean, uh, you know, as far as I know, there's homeless problems, there's the poor laws of England and all this kind of thing. 
What are some of those parallels that you, you notice? Well, that poverty can happen to anybody. That difficulty, um, you know, in the, in the Dickens classic, you know, the Cratchit family simply poor and has to make difficult decisions. In the modern version, they're not just poor; they've had to, they've lost their home due to medical costs, and this can happen to anyone. And so, you know, it it just looks at poverty in in a much more sophisticated way and really examines the idea that, you know, there but the grace of God go I in terms of things could happen to me that could put me in a position where I could be impoverished at that level. And, you know, the Dickens story is very similar. He works very hard, but he can't really make a living in terms of moving forward. Same thing in this. They have to make very difficult choices in families throughout the country, you know, throughout Maryland and Prince George's County have to make difficult decisions every day in terms of just, you know, living day to day. You know, there are folks that have to choose, you know, do I pay my rent or do I pay for my medicine? Mm. You know, what am I going to do because my paycheck is X dollars and I need Y dollars, you know? And so the the parallels are significant that we, you know, what, 120 years after the first story was written, we still have this idea about poverty but in this story it's really looking at poverty as something that can happen to anyone at any time mm. yeah 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 Vastly, what's your take on that well i think to even go from a broader perspective just thinking about the emphasis that we as a culture have on consumerism especially this mm. time of year where everything is about getting, acquiring, possessing, and sometimes, especially around the holidays, we sort of forget the real meaning of the holidays, that it's not just about possessions and money and, you know, becoming in greater states of power over someone else. And I think there are definite parallels to that in the character of Scrooge, who is all about how can I build my business? How can I acquire more wealth? That's all that really matters. And he has tunnel vision on that, as so many of us do in this day and age, no matter how well-intentioned we are. So I think even though, again, this is a different setting, there are definite parallels between these stock characters and the way many of us in our culture are in this day and age. And I think this play being put in the present tense gives us a little bit of a chance to sort of realize, oh, wow, there's a deeper thing happening here at this time of year, and we need to sort of remember that. We need to remember that there are bigger issues. There are human connections. There are – we have this need to remember that there are those less fortunate and we should be grateful for what we have and we should reach out a hand to those who have less. And much like in the original Dickens story, those things are not different at all in this day and age. So the parallels I think are very, very extraordinary. Yeah. Thomas, what's your take on it? Yes, sir. I think the two parallels that that I've noticed, (laughs) I want to piggyback a little bit off of what Vashi just said, that there are, you know, there are still, many people who have a little bit more and there are many people who have a little bit less, you know, so that kind of still stays the same. But also, as well as uh, the, the Cratchit family, you know, how they, you know, how they, they don't have much, but they still band together and they're still there for each other. And I think there's, there's that feeling of, you know, being there for you know, your family, your friends, or whoever really needs to help the most. But a lot of times what happens is when you, we don't, we don't have much, you still, Band together, you can band together even more, more so. And I think there's a that that the feeling of you know, a home and 
being together no matter what you have, even if you have the, the most or, or if you have the less, the, the least of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, Bill, so that kind of ties into another question I wanted to ask you about the research. Now, what kind of research did you do when you uh, adapted the script? Well, I work for Community Crisis Services, one of the organizations that is going to be helped um, with uh, with this play. Um, as you know, with each Wolfpack production, we do make sure that a portion of the proceeds go to a different charity. In this particular case, we decided to go ahead with uh, Community Crisis Services and the Warm Nights Hypothermia Shelter Program, as well as uh, St. John's Bountiful Blessings Program. Research in this particular show was incredibly easy because at the agency, we uh, take over 40,000 calls per year from those seeking homeless services, whether it's from somebody that is in direct need of shelter or whether it is somebody who is uh, potentially going to be homeless because they're unable to pay their rent. Um, last year during the Warm Nights Hypothermia Shelter Program, we provided 7,626 nights of shelter, um, and that included 74 children um, throughout the course of the season. Last year we ran from, uh, it was right around the mid-October um, until April, mid-April. Hmm. And that's only, unfortunately, a percentage of the actual homeless in Prince George's County and every situation for every one person, there are five others that don't call in or maybe staying with friends or relatives short term um, that may at some point be calling us for shelter opportunities. So it really is an ongoing issue and an ongoing problem. So it was something that again with as far as homelessness went was very easy same thing with the medical conditions we've had several people over the course of the my tenure at the agency that have called that have been facing homelessness because they had to make a choice rather to take their medication or rather to pay the rent and mm. in every case your medication has to come first if it's life sustaining medication you you have to make yeah. that choice sometimes. And as wonderful wow. as the Affordable Care Act is, unfortunately, it doesn't cover everything. Hmm. Wow, that's that's a really really tough choice for some people. Yeah, it's an incredibly tough choice, and it becomes especially difficult for seniors, people on a fixed income, for young, hardworking families. Over 90% of the people that we have in a shelter at any given point do work, most of them full-time. They're simply not able to pay the uh, rents in in the area um, with the salaries that they, you know, that they're making. Um, and it's, it's a struggle for a lot of people. And if you're somebody like the Cratchits who are paying medical expenses and have additional uh, challenges, it's it's unfortunately very easy to become homeless or to become put into a situation where you have to decide what is ultimately best for you and your family. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tim, I want to go to you and talk about uh, what was the reaction on the streets, uh, I guess, with your friends, family and everything about uh, 
you said you were going to play spoons. I mean, it's like it was one of these things where you're preparing yourself to be hated. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is they all thought I was typecast. Um, oh. But, yeah, the funny thing was is there were there were lots of people who said, oh, my God, I can see that. I bet you can do that. I bet it would be really good. But the funniest thing was in my office I was saying it to somebody, and two of my interns were like, I don't think you can do that. And I'm like, well, what makes you say that? Well, you're just so nice all the time. <laughs> and my <laughs> staff around them busted out laughing, you know, because they know better. So, uh, you know, I've had a lot of terrific support from the people around me and colleagues who are like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see it. You're going to be great and, you know, a lot of uh, faith and support. So, <clears throat> you know, and a few people are like, I don't know, Tim. You know, so I, I think they've been intrigued by the idea, uh, and a few of them still think I was typecast. So you know, <laughs> yeah. So Vasti, I wanted to. You're, you're playing a pastor. So, uh, what, uh, if any, research did you do as far as looking at some of the Christian themes in the play? I mean, you look at characters like. Uh, Marley, I mean, Marley's winding up in not a good place, uh, and then Scrooge is 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 not living up to a Christian creed. What what's some of the uh, kind of the, the ideas and themes and and morsels you came up with uh, as far as uh, Christianity in the play? Well, I am actually a daughter and a granddaughter of an actual minister. So I've been brought up oh, okay. with a very Christian background in the first place. And I've actually been a volunteer for Warm Nights in PG County for several years. So when I ended up in the character of the pastor, it was actually more close to home than a lot of characters I've played in other productions. So it was hmm. pretty straightforward. But at the same time, it was also a taking on a role that had a lot of responsibility to it because she is the character who does articulate a lot of those Christian themes explicitly. When mm. Tiny Tim is experiencing his fear about what's going to happen to his family after he's gone, and when Scrooge is articulating his feelings that all of this Christian outreach and charity and giving is a waste of resources and time, it's Pastor Charlotte who really carries that task of hitting home those messages from a Christian perspective so that it's actually being articulated to the audience clearly what the moral censor should be. So while there was not a great deal of need to research the background of Christianity, et cetera, because I've grown up in a ministerial environment basically since birth, it's still something that I've had to really look at every single monologue and every single passage and make sure that each each of those sentiments is not getting getting short shrift because they're important and in some places they're only articulated through that character about the importance of faith and love and charity, life and death, life after death. And those are messages that the audience may not be getting anywhere else except for sometimes they say you may be the only Bible someone might ever read. So when you're given dialogue like that, you do have a responsibility to make sure that it is conveyed clearly yeah. and effectively. So to that and extent, I have taken this character seriously. And thank you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I want to jump back over to Bill and talk a little bit about musical numbers. So uh, 
What kind of musical numbers do you have in the show? Well, we have a lot of standard Christmas um, Christmas carols, uh, everything from Silent Night to uh, Sing We Now of Christmas. Um, we have a couple of very unexpected songs um, that are performed by Dwayne Allen and Bridget Lally. Um, mm-hmm. I Find Kiss, and uh, the other one is After You've Gone, um, which are Torch songs originally. Um, everything yeah. that is in the show is public domain, um, so we were able to use it, and we've been able to put our own unique spin on it. Um, so we've really, my musical director, Lauren Gillio and I have really worked very diligently on the numbers, and I have to say that the cast this year is second to none as far as their vocal ability. Um, our The gentleman who is playing uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present um, and Andrew does a version of Oh Holy Night that will literally bring a tear to your eye. And yeah. there is not a single cast member this year that has one of the uh, the bigger songs or one of the group numbers that isn't a powerful singer. Um, we actually had one song that was written specifically for this show from Joanna Matthews uh, called mm-hmm. Miracles Can Come True. Um, it's the second song that she's written for a Wolfpack production, so we're very proud of her and her abilities. Um, but really, the songs are designed to weave into the story to push the story forward in a way that, you know, some musicals, it's like, okay, let's put a musical number there just for the sake of a musical number. But in this show, each one of the songs was chosen specifically to move the story ahead and to fill in a piece. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah. I thought you were. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure if you were done. Uh, oh, done with talking there. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Yes. Now I now oh, I okay. heard you. Oh, okay. So, Vashti, I'm gonna jump over to you. So, go back in time and kind of think about what's your favorite version of uh, a Christmas Carol, either on stage or uh, on film. Oh, wow, that's hard. I would have <laughs> to say. There's so many of them, and I've seen so many of them. Uh-huh. I honestly feel that the musical adaptation of it, the original Broadway one, simply because of the production number of Link by Link, is probably my all-time favorite. But I'm a musical theater buff, so that's always probably going to be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Thomas, how about you? I, I think I really, really enjoyed the... There was one... CGI, a Christmas Carol that came out a few years ago. I, I, I really enjoy that one because I, I think it, I think it really pulled it really pulled the story like from the screen and brought it to life. I really believe in it. It was, it was really really well done. Very well done. All right. How about you, Tim? You know, it's interesting. Um, I've seen probably three dozen different productions. Many years ago, I was the front of house manager for Petrucci's Dinner Theater in Laurel, and they did something called the Matinee Series, and their version of A Christmas Carol was done with very little set and in the round, and it was the most joyous kind of opportunity I've ever seen. Um, you know, so that, that I just remember that 
so vividly anytime I think of the show. The other one I would say I really love the Patrick Stewart version. Um, he does a phenomenal job, and and the other one you can't get away from is Mickey Mouse. So. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah, great old Mickey, Mickey Mouse. Yep, good old Scrooge right. McDuck, you know. So. <laughs> what about uh, so so Bill? So uh, what's uh, your favorite version? Well, mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh. Yeah, besides yours. There, right? Besides mine. Um, there was actually a production that I uh, did a uh, number of years ago. Um, in Missouri, believe it or not, that was a lot of fun to do. Um, that I still have really fond memories of that one. Um, you know, it's really difficult because I've been involved in so many different productions and have directed several different versions. You know, so I, I've got to kind of go with the Muppets. <laughs> I, really? I, I love the Muppets, the Muppets. Christmas Carol. <laughs> it cracks me up. <laughs> you know. There, there's just something about little furry puppets that make you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, All but, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 The Muppets are funny. Okay, folks. So we're coming up on a few minutes left here. So what we're gonna do? We're just gonna have. Uh, Tim and Vashi and uh, Thomas, y'all just talk a little bit about uh, your projects you got coming up. And then, uh, Bill, I just want you to wrap up and just tell all the good folks out there how they can see the show. So, uh, Tim, what you got coming up next? Uh, Nothing, actually. Um, You know, I uh, haven't figured out what will be next. I uh, have done two shows this past year, which is a lot with what I do for a living. So we'll see. Nothing is on the radar at this point. Okay, Vashti? Um, Well, I can be seen in a forthcoming episode of For My Man on TV One, which should be airing November 30th. Um, I am doing a film adaptation of a stage play that I was touring with for about three years called Don't Tell Grandma I Met Him Online, which is going into production next February. And I also just committed to a short film called Camp Wilson, which is a little bit of a murder mystery, and I'll be playing the role of Anita in that. So a few things happening in the upcoming year. Nice. Nice. Thomas? Thank you. Well, I do have a few auditions coming up in the next uh, next month or so. I'll be auditioning for Susical and The Little Mermaid as well with the Charm City players. So that's going to be uh, next the next year around March and to the summer as well. All right. All right. So, Bill, talk about how well we can get tickets for the show, man. Well, the easiest way to get tickets is to go to www.wolfpacktheater.com. Com, and that is theater with an R-E, not an E-R, um, <laughs> WolfpackTheaterCompany.com. Um, you can also dial uh, 240-271-5471, um, and that will actually be active on Monday, uh, that telephone number. Um, tickets are $15 per adult and $9 for children 12 and under. Uh, if you know anybody in the cast, please just let them know. Um, that you'd like to purchase tickets and they can get tickets to you. 
any of my production crew, the St. John Evangelical Lutheran, uh, Community Crisis Services, um, you know, anybody associated with Wolfpack can always figure out a way to get a hold of me. Um, so we're, we're pretty easy. Um, the show runs December 10th, 11th, and 12th with two shows on the 12th, and then the 17th, 18th, and 19th with two shows on the 19th, matinee and evening performance. And we are running a special for anybody out there who is involved in any kind of youth group, whether it's scouting or bowling, um, archery, we don't care as long as it's a youth group. Uh, we're running a special on the Saturday matinees, um, $8 per ticket for the youth member, and for every five paid tickets, we are giving one free chaperone ticket. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Oh, okay. All right, everybody. It was fantastic having you on the show. I just wish you all a much success. Uh, Great legs on the show, and uh, we know it's going to be a good one. Great. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much, and we'll okay. see you soon. Yeah. Yes. Bye-bye. Cool. Okay. Bye. Have a good night. And, folks out there, let me just leave you with this quote from uh, movie star Will Smith. He said, I think there's a certain delusional quality that all successful people have to have. You have to believe that something different than what has happened for the past 50 million years can happen. Being realistic is the most commonly traveled road to mediocrity. What's the point of being realistic? Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.